So I am very excited to be over with First Corinthians. <laughs> I don't know if you are, um, but I've been really not that because First Corinthians was wasn't good. It was great. It was excellent, and it was very. Um, it had a lot to teach us, but because uh, what we are about to get into, which is uh, the series on life with God. Uh, this is what we're going to do for next four weeks until the day of the retreat. So here's what I figured. You know, when you're going to retreat, I try, to, I try my best to you know, talk less, as, you know, as little as possible, and help you to engage. And, uh, but there's a lot for us to learn um, on the, the topic of spiritual formation and spiritual discipline. And um, so what I decided to do was to do my talking part on Sundays leading up to the retreat. So when you get to the retreat, you'll be all ready to engage and you do focus a lot on doing the exercises, um, spending a lot of time praying and doing the exercises that's there for you. So that takes for you to know and engage. And there's a lot to know, you know, so you have to understand um, before you really engage. So let me start by asking you this question. What is one thing that you really like to learn or do better in your Christian life, in your journey of faith? What is one thing that you really like to do better or learn? Good question. Prayer. Prayer? And you've been reading up on prayer, on the books that... Yeah. Yeah. But still, I feel like I haven't... Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> prayer. What else? Or who who are who you know if you chime in, someone else. So one thing. Hmm? Believing. Believing. So faith. Yeah. Okay. What else, Larry? Where do you categorize like the discipleship, like cost? Uh, well, elaborate a little more. Uh, discipleship in what ways? Or more um, specific. <laughs> yeah. Andy, what about you? Uh, I think prayer. Prayer, yeah. Mile? Mm. Nikki? Maybe says Thinking is the one that you would like to <laughs> improve on? <laughs> I think find more time. Huh? To Finding time. Yeah. For what? To read. Or just be with God more. Oh, okay. Finding more time to be with God. Jen? Yeah. I think what Miles said and also prayer. Prayer and Miles said. Well, Nikki, are you done thinking? Still thinking? No, I think I should read more about the Bible. Read more. Be more patient and read more about the Bible. About Bible or read Bible? Read Bible. Read. <laughs> Read Bible more and be more patient in understanding, I guess. Okay. See, those are all good. And I think the consensus, even when you're talking about spending time with God, that sort of leads to everything that we're going to do now. Um, the Christian... This, this is the biggest, probably one of the major biggest responsibility of the church is to help people be formed to Christ-likeness, right? The... The, the, what we call, the language we call spiritual formation, spiritual discipline, 
which is all about spending time with God and learning how to pray, praying to God, right? And it's it's the biggest part that we should be responsible and be engaging in, yet it's the one that's kind of lost and forgotten. A lot of churches forget to engage in or teach, stop fiddling with it, right? <laughs> teach on, uh, on this responsibility, which is being formed. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Randy talked about last retreat we had in Aptos, and we're going back to Aptos. And the, on that retreat, what we've done is something out of this book, Creek uh, Journey, it had a six stages of spiritual growth, right? Remember the growth, and most of you are stuck in either stage one or st- stage two, which a lot of people get to be actually st- stuck in for their lifetime. Some of them move on to stage three, right? There is this stage, but... Moving on to that stage, we talked about what are the difficult things, what are challenging things for us to move on to the next stage. But we never really talked about how. How do we do that? What do we need to do to move on and really mature? And that's actually exactly what we're going to do this retreat is to equip us, and that's myself included, on how to grow in spiritual faith. Right? And that's by engaging in formational and um, and disciplined uh, exercises. So that's what the retreat is going to be. We're going to practice on that. We're going to learn about that. So before we begin, as we always need to and have to, and it's necessary, I'm going to lay out 10 principles of Christian formation and practice. That's the words I chose for this and what that word means is Christian, it's a spiritual formation and spiritual discipline. I don't like the word spiritual because it can get jumbled with any other spirituality, especially in Eastern spirituality, which includes Buddhism and a lot of other, uh, other spiritualities. So what I want to say instead of spiritual is Christian. Because unlike, and we'll talk more about this, unlike other spirituality, we're not seeking out God, some unknown God. We know who God is. We know He's present. We know about Him. So this is strictly Christian. So we call it Christian, and we call it formation, because formation is all about having us be transformed by God. So the word that we're going to call this, the phrase for this, is Christian formation and I also don't like the word discipline because you're young and you hate the word discipline, right? Uh, most people don't. I love the word discipline because I'm older and uh, um, you grow old and you understand that it really the importance of being disciplined. So instead of discipline, we're going to call it practice. Not in a sense you're practicing to get better. You're practicing something you don't know, but in a sense that doctors call their job practice. Right? I mean, when doctors, you know, doctors say, my practice is, you know, pediatrics. They're not really practicing to get to know, but what they do, who they are in their work, their work is the practice of, you know, working with children, right? Uh, Young people. So that's what we're going to call it. Instead of discipline, practice. Because this is going to be not just about trying to be disciplined into it, but this is going to be something that we're going to do. It's going to be our practice and Christian practice, not spiritual practice as in some other forms that we may be mistaken for. So is everyone clear on that? 
So this is going to be so next four Sunday is going to be not like preaching and not like teaching sermon type, but it's going to be more like a seminar type. Uh, so we can engage in learn what we are going to do. Okay. So I'm going to have that back up on the device. Another device is currently playing songs on Apple Music. Okay. Um, get back on that. Hey, let me. Hang on. Okay. All right. Uh, let me pray, and uh, we'll engage in this. Father, I pray that you help us search for our needs, and uh, that our needs comes to wanting to communicate with you, hear from you, and know your presence, so that we may grow and we may be certain of our faith. And as we engage in this Christian formation and practice, I pray that your Spirit will help us to understand, engage, and uh, be brave, be bold in, uh, in jumping in. And uh, you help us not be afraid. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so there are ten principles that I have listed. And we'll talk about these principles today. Number one. Number one is the result of Christian formation and practice is the lives formed by the Holy Spirit. We're basically going to start from the very end. What happens as a result of all this? When we learn these things, what's going to happen? And what happens is that we are going to be formed, transformed. So the, uh, the verse on this is Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 13. It says, until... And Paul talks about how the, these are this type of uh, the minister, this type of gift, and this type of that. We're gonna, you're going to encourage each other to build one another until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. The result of, of what we do is going to be that we will we'll be transformed. This is why Christian formation is lifelong formation of the life of Christ in us. So the way we live and the transformation of our hearts and desire and actions is the end result. When we do these things, what we do, our lives will be changed. We will be transformed. And that's the result that we look for. This is what happens. As a, as, a, as a result of Christian formation and practice, we grow, we mature, and we are transformed. Okay, number two. The goal of Christian formation and practice is to encounter and engage God. It's very important for us to remember this. Number two. The goal of what we do is the presence of God. We're doing all these things not to attain knowledge, not to attain anything or skills or fail in certain way. Our goal is to find being the presence of God. That's it. That's the whole thing. We have different means of doing it. All the practices, exercises and things that we're going to do, we're doing it so that we'll reach the goal which is the presence of God. Uh, the book that was recommended for you to read this month uh, by Eugene Pearson, Living the Resurrection, and he says, the practice of resurrection, which is Christian practice, is noticing and entering in and engaging. That's it. The goal is the presence of God. And that's what spirituality is. It's not we're searching for something. We know who God is. It's our desire and the goal that we desire to be with God. So goal then is life with God. 
That's the whole top. That's the title of this series and what we're going to do because we want to be in life with God. And we talked about this last week when we talked about Emmanuel. What is God's goal? Goal for us? What does He want? To be with Him, right? It's God's goal to be with Him, with us. It's God's goal for us to be with Him. And the goal of Christian formation and practice is for us to be with God. And it actually can happen. Okay, number three. Oh wait, let me, let me explain how it happens. So, what we need to dif- differentiate for this is that there are the means and there's the goal. We cannot mix mistaken the means as the goal in itself, but we have to understand we're doing these things for the goal. So when we're doing the spiritual exercises, prayers, meditation, contemplation, different types of practice and disciplines, all of that is not goal in and of itself, which is, when you talk about secular spirituality, the people's goal is the, the exercise itself. They encounter, they exercise in spirituality so that they find some spiritual sense, right? But that's not our goal. We do all this thing for the goal which is to be in God's presence. We're not monks, right? We're not monks searching for spiritual things. We are children of God wanting to be with the Father. That's the whole goal. So it's really important that we understand that. The exercise and disciplines to become Christ-like. By being in presence of God. To live in love like Jesus, as we always talk about. So this is what happens as we engage these activities with the goal in mind. And I'm going to repeat this over and over and ask you over and over, what is our goal? And your response is? To be with God. It's the presence of God. And people do this. You know, you pray and your goal is to get something from God. You read Bible and your goal is to like understand something and learn new things. Or how to live your life better. Everything we do, the goal is not those things. The goal is to be with God. And only when we're with God, we're transformed. We're formed. Okay, number three. The Christian form- in Christian formation and practice, God is the host and the sole provider. Eugene Peterson gives a really good story for this. Uh, in the story of Jesus' resurrection, Jesus is met or... Two people who's walking down on a journey to this town called Emmaus, Emmaus meets this person, right? Who is Jesus. And they're talking about what happened, the death of Jesus and how, who Jesus was. And Jesus gets into this conversation. He talks about it, right? And they get to the Emmaus and they say, oh, why don't you just stay with us and have meal with us? And Jesus sits in meals with them. But who breaks the bread? Jesus. Jesus. Who breaks the bread usually in this culture, as you would imagine? The host, right? In every occasion, the host is the one who breaks the bread and hands out the bread and pass the cup. Jesus invited as a guest, but he breaks the bread. And they encounter this time, the presence of resurrected Jesus. And you realize, this is Jesus. And Jesus is the host. So it's important for us to know that Christian formation and practice, God, Jesus, is always the host. And we're just simply guests. And as a guest, we're totally dependent on the host. We're fully involved, but we're never in charge. It's important for us to understand, and I'll elaborate more on that. So, we're never in charge of Christian formation. We can't force it to happen. 
we can engineer in some ways for it to happen. It's basically a gift that we receive in meeting with the resurrected Jesus. Does that make sense? So, here's what Jesus does. In this scene, he meets with these people, uh, two guys, and he breaks the bread, and he gives thanks, right? And he hands it out, and they receive it, right? And that's sort of the pattern of what Jesus does. There are numerous occasions where we encounter Jesus in Gospels breaking bread at the meal. Uh, what are some occasions you can you can think of? Last Supper, right? Feeding of 5,000. Feeding of 4,000. Believe it or not, there's two stories of that. Right? The breakfast, resurrection breakfast. In all occasions, Jesus breaks the bread. He gives thanks. By giving thanks, in his breaking of it, he transforms it. But this is not his bread. It's somebody else's. And he breaks it and he gives it back. So the pattern of life and also the whole, whole pattern of Christian formation is this. We give ourselves to... God, God takes it, breaks us, and changes us, and gives it back to us. So we receive back from God who we are, which is transformed. And that's what we realize, the breaking of the bread is how God sees the transformation of our lives, the pattern of our lives when we go to God. So this is that's how it works. We enter in. The presence of God, we give ourselves in prayer in which Jesus plans God's presence transform us. God is always the host and sole provider. Number four, Christian formation and practice helps us to learn to notice God. The book that I recommended in previous month is a book by Richard Peace, Noticing God, who was the professor I spent a week with a uh, um, couple of months ago. And... Uh, in his book, he talks about how we encounter God. We can notice the presence of God in mystical ways, in ordinary way, and there's a small voices, and in church, in the Bible, in culture, in our culture, in creation, and in creativity, and all of that. But he says this, the problem is with us. We don't know where to look or what to expect. We do not seem to notice. We need to learn to notice God. Christian formation and practice helps us to learn to notice God. And we have to understand, God is, we seek God, but God is almost almost shy. He doesn't just put himself out there to invade our presence. He respects our space. He respects our presence. So this is one good, um, the, uh, the quote that he, he reads is, God gives us just enough to seek Him, because we see, we see the glimpse of Him, we notice Him, and never enough to fully find Him. To do more would inhibit our freedom, and our freedom is very dear to God. There's so much that can be said about that. But the focus here is that we can learn to notice God, because we actually don't know how to notice God, how to recognize God in our lives. And these practices we're going to do will help you, will help us recognize God in our daily lives. You see that uh, when you look at the Bible, stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God's presence is almost unmistakable because He comes down in blazing of fire, clouds, and you know all of that. But in the, Old, in the New Testament, resurrected Jesus comes. 
And some recognize him and some don't. Some recognize Jesus and then don't recognize Jesus. And then again recognize Jesus. So there is a pattern here that it, unless we're intentional and learn to notice that we sometimes will not be able to recognize God. Uh, you've seen this in the story. When Jesus was resurrected, uh, in the way down to Emmaus, these two people who are disciples of Jesus, did they notice Jesus? They didn't. How about Mary who went to the tomb and saw somebody and she thought this was a gardener until Jesus called her name, Mary, right? Um, did some of the disciples, disciples on a boat, Jesus called to throw the net onto the other side or whatever and a lot of them didn't recognize until Peter and John recognized, right? Jesus is here. I mean, maybe very clear about that. Jesus is alive and he's here. Literally here. Not in some abstract way. He's here. In our lives, we need to learn to recognize. We need to learn to notice God in our lives. And that's and spiritual formation and practice. Christian formation and practice will help us to do that. Number five. How are we doing so far? It's good. It's making sense where, where, where we're headed. Number five. The first and foremost place to notice God is the Sabbath and the community of His people. This is what I emphasize all the time. Is it Life Like Church? Sunday, be here. Be with the community. Because the first place to encounter God, first place of practice is to be here on Sundays. Sabbath keeping, Sunday, um, joining with the community is to be aware and responsive to God's presence. It happens here first and foremost. And then there's a community time and then there's a alone time, solitude. We're going to learn a lot about solitude. And another word for solitude is silence. Because in order for us to be in the presence of God, we need to drown out all the other noise, noises in our lives. There are, there are things called uh, silent retreats. This is probably the most scariest thing for your generation, millennials. Uh, it really scares a lot of young people. Like, silent retreat? But we're going to be silent for the whole time, for like two, three days? Even in seminaries, uh, some professor would take uh, seminary students. These are, you know, uh, young people who's training and learning to become pastors and leaders. They are scared of these silent retreats. You don't know what to do because we fill our lives with so much activities and noises. We don't know how to be quiet to be in the presence of God. The whole thing about Sabbath is slowing down, stopping, being alone, so that we can spend time in the wonder of the resurrected Jesus. Silence doesn't necessarily mean solitude, but solitude means being silent. That we drown everything out so that we can be in the presence of God. So, in the retreat, we'll have sort of the silent time, which means your phones are away and your stuff is away, and I warned you about that. Uh, we will collect your phone so that you can be silent for the time being. Not the whole retreat. I mean, you can volunteer yourself to be silent from your phones and gadgets and other communications. But in certain times, we will collect everything to help you to be silent in solitude. Uh, 
And, uh, and in spring, we'll also do a couple of silent retreats, like a day retreats that, you know, whoever wants will, will go away to uh, certain places and, uh, and just be in silent. We'll do a couple of silent retreats for us to continue to engage in that. Number six, who's excited about silent retreats? <laughs> Mile. It's, it'll be hard. It'll be probably the most hard for Jen and Mile. <laughs> right? Okay, number six. Christian formation and practice happens around the word and prayer. It doesn't happen outside of some mystical things. It happens in the Bible and in our prayers. These are the two core activities that we work around. So what's planned for the church, for you as a community, is when Josh is done with the book of Judges, we're going to do a gospel of Mark. And I'm going to teach, do the Bible study in a way that is formational Bible study. It's going to be different. It's not just going to be about intellectual learning, which is what we engage in. Like, what does this Bible say? What does it say? How do I apply to this, my, this to my life? We're going to be focused in a way that how do I find, encounter presence of God in this world? So it'll be engaging in that. So our Bible study will become different. And we're going to do a lot of prayer exercises. And prayer is basically the activity of formation. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to do pray. We're going to be doing a lot of different types of prayers, different exercises to help you learn how to pray. And I gave you homeworks. All those different things that you're going to do in preparation is going to be engaged in prayers. And let me tell you one thing about prayer. There are no experts on prayers. Everybody is beginner on prayer. Everybody. Until we get to heaven, there will be no experts. All of us are learning to pray. So keep that in mind. Myself is going to be learning with you because I'm just a beginner of prayer too. We all are, right? And how and what we pray for? Uh, you see this? This is the stuff that we talked about, the stages of uh, spiritual growth. There are stages of prayer. That we move on to in natural growth. And we're going to talk about that next week. And so I'm going to lay out the how we move from one stage of praying to different stages. As we talked about in our spiritual growth. And it coincides together. And it's really interesting. So I'll get a whole chart <laughs> drawn out for you. And uh, we'll, we'll engage in that next week. Okay, number seven. Christian formation is not something we set up and master. We can't. Master Christian formation. We can't like take control of it. We can't put some kind of techniques to get our goals and and you know the measure progress and all of that. That's not something. That's not how we approach Christian formation. Um, because if we do that, it com- becomes about what can I do. It becomes the anxiety thing. It becomes about boasting thing. It becomes about burden. Like I. Sort of like how prayers. Everyone feels guilty of praying. <laughs> Don't they? Everyone feels guilty about not praying enough. Everyone feels guilty about not reading Bible enough. Right? That's not what this is. 
It's not. It's not to say you need to do these things from now on. That's not what it's going to be because we can't master it. But we can learn a way into it. Does that make sense? So I'm not going to tell you you need to wake up every morning and pray for 30 minutes. Um, but I'm going to tell you how to engage your life so that it's part of it. So what, what we need to understand is it's not something we can't master. We're all learners. We're all beginners. And it's not something we can't set up. Like there's no certain setup. Like I need to find certain closet space or holy place. I need to go to a certain sacred church to do this. There isn't that. There isn't a prepared setting or a carefully selected time and place. Formation just happens when God shows up. You look at the disciples. Jesus just shows up, right? Do they expect Jesus to show up? No. Is there a certain place that Jesus showed up and didn't show up? No. He just shows up. That's kind of how formation works. It happens when Jesus shows up. And we can't set it up. We can't organize it. We can't find the best place and time for it. He just shows up. So we need to understand that it happens in ordinary of life. It happens at your workplace, school, in your home, in the stuff you do, right? Everyday, ordinary place. So the whole goal, the the structure we want to set up is that so many times Christians, your Christian life and your life is separated. It's disconnected. There's God and there's my family. There's God and there's my friends. There's God and there's my career and school. What Christian formation and practice help is to connect what, what is disconnected. So God becomes sort of organically connect. God and life are organically connected. That's how what it's going to happen. That's our aim is to be in one life with God. Not life and God. Life with God. And you know, I know that that's something that we all desire. Like, I wish my life was more tangled with God, right? I wish God was in every day my life. I wish I don't just remember about God on Sunday or think about God when I need something. I wish it was like every day and all the time. We can. We can. That's what we're going to learn on. Number eight, Christian formation and practice has rich tradition. People in the Bible did it. <laughs> Jesus did it. Everybody did it. We know so many saints who did it. We're going to learn about some of the saints. Like, this city is found upon one of the greatest uh, saints who did this. Who established certain ways of Christian formation. Who is that? Saint Francis. Saint Francis is, uh, there's a, there's a Franciscan uh, uh, monastery to practice. There's a, uh, um, there's a Benedictine. There's different saints who has done these types of practice. There's a rich tradition that we can learn from. There's even a movie about St. Francis that is pretty funny. Did you know that Francis of uh, Assisi was a pretty ugly guy? He was short and stocky and ugly. But he, he married the hottest girl at the time. Um, it's pretty funny. It's almost like a, they made it out to be like a Beauty and the Beast uh, story. Um, so you learn about St. Francis. 
Uh, and all these saints have really interesting story, and they have a lot to teach. I have here. Oops. The rule of Saint Benedict. Benedictine monastery has set up a rule of life, and they can really help us. So there's a rich tradition that we can learn from. And uh, and this book here. And what we recognize in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and the early church fathers and all the saints, uh, this is a book of subversive spirituality by Paul Jensen, or Jensen. Um, he sets the, the flow of people's life in Christian formation and practice. There's a daily thing they do, and a weekly thing, monthly, and different places, and different time. And this is done, we, rec- we can recognize this in the Bible. And in the lives of different saints that we know and we can learn about. But number nine, Jesus is the best model of Christian formation and practice. That's why we're going to study Book of Mark, Gospel according to Mark. We're going to see Jesus as the model of Christian formation and practice. You remember Jesus. There's occasionally there's a, uh, the scripture in, that says Jesus went away to be by himself. Jesus prayed all night. Uh, he he was alone. Uh, he went away to for fasting. Jesus is the best model for Christian formation and practice. Number ten, which is the last one. Christian formation and practice is for all seekers and believers. Christian formation and practice is also for non. Believers, but simple seekers. It's not only for elite, mature, and experienced. It's for everyone. Even for Hannah. So when we're at the retreat, I'm actually going to have Hannah join us. Because, and I already told her, she can do this too. Right? It's not for elite. Here's what um, Eugene Peterson in that book says. Devil has played really well on this one. Do you know a term lay person? What? You sh- lay person? Lay person. Uh-huh. Lay person is all of you. <laughs> I'm not a lay person. Lay? Lay. Lay person. L-A-Y person. Lay person is those who are not ministers or pastors. And Peterson, that is the devil's play that is so well done because what he has done is lay basically means in English ordinary you are ordinary folk and unlike ordinary folk there are people who are professionals and you look at our world our society is all about professionalism right there are experts on everything and when you're not an expert you go to an expert and that's how Christianity our our formation and practice has become we realize that even the work of our soul, our faith, it's not something we can do ourselves. We need experts to do it for us. I'm just a lay person. So what we have done is we have left the practice and formation of our faith to somebody else. That's why you all look for people look for pastor. Pastor, can you tell me what to do? Pastor, can you help me grow in faith? Pastor, what should I do this? Pastor, what is this God saying about this? And what we believe in Life Light Church is that you're not lay person. You are all 
priests, you're all professionals when it comes to this. And all professionals are beginners when it comes to Christian formation and practice. What we're going to do is for everybody. You don't even need to be believers yet. You can engage in this. Noticing God. Engaging with God. Uh, Eugene Peterson says, Spiritual formation requires that Christians fiercely reject any hint of docile acceptance of the layperson mentality, which has such a debilitating consequence in Christian character and the church's witness. We have to accept that there are no experts. We have to accept that our work of our soul that God has enabled and empowered us to do. So life with God is possible for anybody and everybody. So that's what this is. I want to invite all of you because you can learn and you can be in life with God. That's what this is going to be about. And it is going to be for everyone. And my hope through this is that everyone at Life Light Church, not only will you learn, because you guys are really done well in learning on Bible stuff. You can read Bible, right? You go out and do stuff. You're in ministries, young life, and different things. You're reaching out to your friends. You're doing a lot of those things. But what we're lacking is encountering God, finding yourself in God's presence. So all this seems very odd to you. Like you're doing it, learning it, but I don't know if I'm really in it because we're missing the presence of God. And presence of God is the most important thing. Let me tell you a story. This is from Luke chapter 11. It's about what I asked you to memorize, which is the Lord's Prayer. Right? Disciples come to Jesus to ask, what do they say? They say, Lord, teach us to pray. Do you know that this is the only time that disciples ask Jesus for anything? They didn't ask Jesus, Jesus, Teach us to do healing. Jesus teaches how to be a good leader. Jesus teaches how to, you know, um, live a better life. How to become a better, you know, disciples. They didn't ask anything to be taught except this. They could ask anything, right? This is Jesus. Like Jesus, teach you about, teach us about these things. They didn't ask about anything. The only thing they asked was Jesus teaches how to pray. That's one thing they asked Jesus. And you see how significant it is. All they wanted to do, they watched Jesus praying, and they wanted to know, Jesus teaches how to pray, which is Jesus teaches Christian formation and practice. Because praying is basically, that's what it is. So Jesus gives them the answer. You know, they say, Jesus teaches how to pray. And Jesus said, okay, here's how you pray. And his prayer is not even... The whole prayer, it's like it's in 30 words in entirety, right? And when you ask somebody, when you have waited so long and when you have chosen one thing to ask, you expect some full-blown lecture on things, but Jesus gives them very disappointing, short teaching. And he says, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. Give us... 
this day our daily bread. Luke doesn't give the whole the Lord's Prayer like uh, Matthew and and uh, Mark and John. He gives shortened version. And there's a reason he does. Remember what we learned when we were going through 1 Corinthians about the ring formation? In Luke's Lord's Prayer is in ring formation. And what's the climax in ring formation? What's the climax? Where's the climax? Is in the middle, right? In the middle. And the middle part in the Lord's Prayer that Luke gives in, in Luke chapter 11 is give us this day our daily bread. That's the middle part. Jesus teaching says this is how you pray and his emphasis is ask to receive the bread. And he goes off and tells this story, this parable. He tells about this parable about this guy who's at home in the midnight, in the midnight, some friend shows up asking for bread. Right? And he said, I don't have it, don't bother me. And he keeps knocking the door. And he gets so annoyed, and finally he goes and grabs the bread and gives to a friend the bread. And Jesus says, in verse 9, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Who asked for Holy Spirit? We didn't ask for Holy Spirit, right? We didn't ask for Holy Spirit, but Jesus says... God will give you the Holy Spirit. And over and over, when you look at the, the, the example of a bread, bread, who's the bread? Jesus says, I am the bread, bread of life. He said, give us our daily bread. That's give us you daily. It's not talking about give us the stuff we need so we can live comfortable life. That's not what the Lord's Prayer is about. When Jesus said, learn, this is how you pray, He said, ask for me, my presence. And my presence, the resurrected Jesus, is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, ask and you will receive. It doesn't, it's like we didn't ask for Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is what we got because the presence of God is what we need the most. Our greatest need is the presence of God. We need it daily. Daily bread is Jesus' presence. And the problem is, we don't know we need it. So we don't ask. We don't seek. Because we don't see this need enough. And we don't see the needs because we haven't experienced it. Because if you experience it, you realize the need in your life, in our lives. So, this is what Christian formation and practice is, is going to be. This is what our lives is going to be, is seeking and finding the presence of God. And that's what we get for eternity, is the presence of God. 
and we need it desperately. Because only then we'll have a life and life to the fullest. That's what Jesus says, asking you have life through me, who is the bread and life to the fullest. So these are the principles and they sound very dry, but this lays down the foundation of what we're going to engage. We need to remember these things as we engage. Next week, we'll go through the phases and I, I'll demonstrate from next two weeks the uh, different exercise and what it does and how we can engage it and everything. But really, the goal here is the bread, is the presence of God. And how ironic is that we do this every Sunday, right? When we do this, not only do we remember the presence, uh, remember what Jesus has done, we're receiving Jesus. And this is why uh, you go to certain churches, uh, they don't let you participate in the communion unless you're a baptized believer. Uh, but more open church, biblical church like uh, us, we invite you, even if you're not a believer, if you want the presence of Jesus, receive this bread. Because Jesus said, give us, pray that we receive the daily bread. And daily bread is the presence of God. And we have received this uh, tradition passed on to us on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, he said, this is a cup of new promise. Drink this in remembrance of me. We do it to remember, we also do it to receive and realize how much Desperately, we need the presence of God. That's what this is all about. We're not gathered here because it makes us feel that it does. But in the end, essentially, our faith is to be with God. To be with God. So I want to invite you to receive the bread of life and the cup of salvation. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to look beyond what we understand and what we know and help us to see with the eyes you give us that this is what we need the most in our lives. You fulfill everything that we need in our lives and we desperately need to find the joy in your presence. As we receive this bread, help us to receive your presence and help us to believe in the promise you give us in this cup. In Jesus' name, Amen.